Please turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We are doing a mini-series called Being Eternal Minded. Not eternally minded, but <laughs> okay. You want to say that, but it's actually not right. It's being eternal minded. You need to think in terms of eternity. Um, and I jumped into it last week, and I, I, you know, I was looking at my notes and, and um, realized I needed to back up a little bit and get everybody on board. Um, so what I want to do is actually uh, give you some scripture to lay some sort of a foundation before we move on from where we left off last week. Amen? Okay, so the place I want to start today is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23, where the Apostle Paul says there, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole, and he's going to define what he means by completely, he says, and may your whole spirit, and I'm going to add this word whole in front of everything else, whole soul and whole body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice that you are not a you're not just a body. You are spirit, soul, and body. And I want you to notice how the Apostle Paul says that he wants God to sanctify again your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. Not just part of anything. <laughs> okay? And I want you to notice he says, so that they are preserved blameless. Preserved blameless. You know, we need our bodies right now preserved. Amen. And we need to have our bodies looked after by God and family. We can have that. There is a scripture right here. The Apostle Paul prayed this for all the body of Christ. Not just the Thessalonian church. Every time I say that, I think of uh, Bob and Larry. And, you know, this is Bob the tomato and Larry the cucumber in VeggieTales. And Larry can't say it. And he goes, Thessalonians. <laughs> but anyway, but this is talking to all of us. <laughs> Amen. All right. And <laughs> dear Lord, the things I've seen. Anyway, so <laughs> um, <laughs> he says here again and identifies. He says here again that, that God preserve us. God look after us. God sanctify us. And notice again, he, he, he defines who we are. We are spirit and soul and body. Amen. Now, somebody once said, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And that's kind of true. Uh, but I don't want to put too much stock in that. Yes, we do live in a body, but, you know, some days our body can feel very, very real. Can I get an amen in that, you know? <laughs> All right, we don't just live in the thing. It really is us. And I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul doesn't say any of those things. He literally says that you are a spirit, you are a soul, and you are a body as well. Okay, if I can put it that way. Now, just in case you've heard that the spirit and soul are the same thing, because some people have that idea. How many have heard that? No, I've heard it. Okay, so <laughs> I'm putting my hand up. A lot of people, a lot of denominationals don't believe in the spirit and the soul. They just think it's all the same thing. And so they'll intermingle those two words together. But I want to show you in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. I want to take you to one more scripture. I don't want to do a lot of, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because you all know this. But I, again, I need to talk to those that are uh, tuning in. Notice again in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division 
of soul and spirit. Notice that? To the division of soul and spirit. So again, the writer of Hebrews now identifies that there is a difference between soul and spirit. And the word of God is the only thing basically can divide those two. I think that is tremendous. Amen. It, the, the reason that there is such, uh, you know, I guess so much uh, issue with soul and spirit, you can't see either of them. That's the problem. You know, it's not something you can look at and divide on a, you know, in a Petri dish or you know, under a microscope. You can't see these two, uh, these two entities, but they are there. And the thing is that the two of them are meant to be together. They're not meant to be separate, which is what is so bad when uh, people die that are not saved because the Bible tells us that their spirit, which is the life, goes back to God where it came from. And their soul goes to hell. Amen. Now, I don't have time to, to minister on all of that. But isn't that sad? That when, you know, if you are saved, when you get to heaven, you will have your spirit. You will have your, your soul. And you will get a resurrection body as well. You will be whole at some point in time in the future. Amen. Even though you may die and leave your body behind, there is coming a time that you will be whole. And I think that is tremendous. I think that is such a blessing of God that we'll be whole. And those people that aren't will be missing two-thirds of their being. Isn't that incredible? Let's move on. That's the reason why I said, you know, that we are more spiritual than natural. We are more, this is really what I'm, I'm focusing in on, the fact that we are more spiritual than natural. And we really need to understand what that means and identify, you know, the kind of life that we need to live according to that knowledge. Amen? How do we live a life knowing this? Now, besides the fact that we are a triune being, it's also important to understand that the real you, as I said to you before, is a spirit. It is the part that lives on after death, after the death of the body, and is the part of you that will stand at the judgment seat of Christ in the last day. Now, there are some scriptures that bring this out. James chapter 2. Let's go to James chapter 2 and verse 26. Again, I'm giving you some scriptures so that we can understand that even though you live in a body, the person that you are is spirit and soul. You need to know that that's who you really are. You know, so much of the time we just live for this life, for this time. We do everything to look after ourselves for right now. And, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking now of another scripture. <laughs> I've just been getting scripture after scripture after scripture. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, uh, again, I wish I had this scripture. Now it's come to mind as I'm ministering. Uh, but the whole idea about that man, that rich person, remember how the, he built all these barns? And he said, you know, I've got all this, and what can I do? I'll build bigger barns. And, and God said to him, you fool, today your soul will be required of you. Then who will have all your possessions? You know, and that's really what happens. We, we seem to try to hang on to more and more things. And, and again, things are not bad. Somebody say Amen. Because the Apostle John said, 3 John 2, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, 3 John 2, there's no chapters, okay? 3 John, verse 2, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, not be in poverty, be prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. There's a condition, okay? So God's not against wealth. 
God is, a, you know, I've said it this way. Let me say it to you this way. God isn't against you having wealth. God is against wealth having you. That's, right. That's called covetousness. Okay, all right. Anyway, so back to this. James chapter 2 and verse 26. The apostle James says, the, he says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So the latter half is not what we're looking at today. It's the first half. Notice it says the body without the spirit is dead. In other words, if the real you, that spirit inside of you, decides to vacate the body, it dies. <laughs> okay? The body can't live without the spirit because that's you. Now I'm going to show you something today. Uh, let's continue. I'll get there in a minute. I've said here, your, your spirit can live without your body, but your body cannot live without your spirit. We see an ex excellent example of this in Luke chapter 8. Remember when Jairus comes to Jesus and asks him to come and lay his hands on his daughter? Remember that incident? Okay. Uh, who was gravely ill. Let's pick it up in Luke chapter 8 and verse 49. There's a lot of stuff that happens in between that. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? We don't want to go there today. All right. <laughs> okay. She had a long story to tell. All right. Luke 8 and verse 49. It says, And while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. I want you to see the word dead. And, he's, and they say, Do not trouble the teacher. Verse 50. Luke 8, 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Right. All right, verse 51. I'm reading through to verse 56, guys, in case you want to know. Verse 51. When he, when he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and mother of the girl. Yeah. Now, Verse 52. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, do not weep. She is not dead but sleeping. Now, that's the reason why I wanted to make this big point, okay? I want you to notice that Jesus says, no, she's not dead the way you think she's dead, okay? Now, <laughs> this is where a lot of people get the idea of soul sleep and all sorts of things. No, can I just give you the simple version, okay? As Christians, as believers, once I said this to you last week, once you get saved, that's all the dying you're ever going to do. You'll never die from that point on. You will live on throughout all of eternity. Amen. Do you all understand? That's why he says, you know, you receive eternal life the moment you get saved. Not after you die, the moment you get saved. And so ever, from that point on, your life is in eternity. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Your whole existence now is in another dimension, all right, in another place. And so you need to understand that this body will, you know, if your spirit leaves this body, it's, you've gone somewhere. All right, as far as we're concerned, and this, the, the, the reason that Jesus uses the word sleep is this, all right? If somebody's asleep, you can wake them up. That's right. Amen. Did you all get that? Yeah. All right. To, to Jesus, if you're dead, means you, we can't get you back up. No matter how many prayer meetings we have. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? If you're gone, you're gone. You know what I'm trying to say? He's saying, no, listen, death, even death to a believer is still temporary. We can change that circumstance if we need to. Now, we haven't got to that place yet, but, you know, we're meant to, okay? <laughs> All right? So that's why Jesus sees things differently to the way man sees things. To them, she is dead. And yes, she is dead. If they took her pulse and they did all the things, she's dead. 
But to Jesus, she's someone that can be raised up. So again here, he says, uh, back in verse 52, he says, Do not weep, she is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 53. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. Knowing that she was dead. It's obviously been enough time for them to know she's dead. Okay? She didn't scratch her nose or anything in the meantime. Verse 54. But (laughs) don't ridicule Jesus, because this is what happens next. You get put outside. All right? (laughs) I love the way this thing cuts right into it. It doesn't say anything other than, but he put them all outside. And he took her by the hand and called, saying, little girl, arise. Verse 55, this is a key verse. Then her spirit returned. Then her spirit returned. She came back. Wherever she was, she came back. Where? Into her body. Watch this. It says, then her spirit returned and she arose immediately. Which part of her arose? Her body. Do you see this? And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, verse 56, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Now, the whole point of this was to show you that the spirit is who you are. If your spirit leaves your body, your body will die. It might live for a little bit, but it'll die very soon. Because as James put it, the spirit, uh, the body without the spirit will die. It's dead. Remember again, the body without the spirit is dead, okay? And so we need to understand, that's why I keep saying that you are more spirit than you are natural. Are you getting this now? Because if you are left, if your spirit left, your body will die. So which is the the more, uh, um, I guess, significant part of you? It's your spirit. It can live on, but your body can't without it. It can live without your body. Okay. All right. Of course, it is the same principle in reverse that is seen at the cross. When it said, now in Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. Luke chapter 23. And verse 46, it says, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, Luke 23, 46, he said, Father, listen, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Can you see the connection? He said, all right, time for this to end. (laughs) Okay? And he said, I'm committing my spirit to you. So what went into hell? His soul. So I told you, there's a, see, you can't have, can I just say that you can't have a spirit in hell because our spirits are made in the image and likeness of God. This is where, and I don't want to get into too much doctrine here because I'm going to get arguments from people. But if your spirit ever went to hell, all the evil spirits are in big trouble because they aren't made in the image and likeness of God, but you are. And if your spirit ever got loose and was allowed to do what it was designed to do, it would annihilate hell. Right. Do you all get that? And that's the reason why it can never go to hell. That's why Ecclesi- I think it's Ecclesiastes says that as soon as your body dies, if you're not saved, your spirit will go back to God. See, what happens, I believe, and this is now me, okay? Okay, that's it, the Rosh, not the Bible, okay? From what I have determined, all right, from, from the little study I've done, from what I've determined, when you get saved, your spirit and your soul lock together. They're, two, they're no longer two separate entities. They become one. Because your soul's ride to heaven is the spirit. Because as soon as you die, your spirit goes back to heaven. That's where it belongs. 
And if, because your soul is attached to things, it'll go for the ride. It'll be like, woohoo, here we go. We're heading up there. Are you all with me? And so you're there. That's why the only thing you need after that is a resurrection body to make yourself whole again. Oh, you all get that? Okay. We're getting into things I really didn't want to get to, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> all right. Again, just to, to make the point that you are spirit. And the thing is that the soul part of you, that's why I said they're very closely knit together, which is why people can't separate the two. There is a whole spirit, there is a whole soul, and there's a whole body. All right? And each one has a will. We need to be careful that we're not getting our soul and our body going up against our spirit who wants to do the right thing. That's why we need to renew our mind and get our soul to the place where it is agreeing with our spirit. Do you know that your spirit naturally wants to do what's right? When you're saved, you naturally want to do what's right because, behold, what manner of love is this? 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, that we should be called the children of God. We are children of God. And we have his heart and we have all of his nature on the inside of us. Amen. And if we allow our soul to line up with our spirit, then everything will start working out. That's why we need to understand that we are more spirit than body. We are spirit and soul. Okay. And if we can get those things to work together, then we will succeed at everything that we do. Are you all with me? Amen. All right. So. We're getting more technical than I needed to or wanted to. Anyway, getting back to this. <clears throat> Notice here, it is because Jesus knew that his body could not die with his spirit still in it, that he did what he did. John's gospel actually is a little clearer about this when it says, I'm going to go to John chapter 19 and verse 30. John chapter 19 and verse 30, where it says, So when... Jesus had received the sour wine. He said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Do you see that? Bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I told you, he, his body can't die until he lets go. He has got to let his spirit go. See, that's the reason why some people, okay, quote unquote, hang on. To, you know, when they're on their deathbed, they'll hang on till a loved one comes and, you know, because they, they have, that's their, the real them. They'll hang on until they finish what they need to do, then they'll let go. Isn't that something? And then they'll die. I know that happened with um, my mom as well. But that, that, that's because you are not a body, okay? That's because you are more spirit than you are natural, all right? And when I say spirit again, I'm combining your spirit and your soul. All right, okay. Another example of this is brought on in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was being stoned for preaching the gospel. And it says in verses 59 and 60, this is Acts chapter 7, Acts 7 verses 59 and 60. It says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive what? My spirit. See, even he knew back then to do that. You all want to leave here because you're having a problem? That's how you go. Don't go, but. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. But you know, listen, man. You know, the devil says, "Whoa, I'm going to do all this stuff to you." You know what? Yeah, I'm going home. See you later. Bye. <laughs> okay. But again, don't don't just be careless about it. But you know, we can raspberry the devil. See, we don't realize that we don't have to get sick and everything to die. 
When you become a Christian, you come to the place where you have the right. This is why we, our whole life needs to be a walk of faith. You know, it keeps coming back to that because we, everything we do works by faith. Okay? You, if you have that faith, you can do so much, including going home when you want to go. So many people have just, you know, they've just decided they're going home on such and such a day. <laughs> <laughs> so they, I know this one individual that, you know, he woke up, he had breakfast, he said, you know, I'm going to be going home, okay? On site, and the, the family's like, yeah, yeah, a bit of a nutball, and, you know, it's super spiritual and everything else. And he goes, no, 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 but I want to have, have breakfast with you, all of you. I want to spend a bit of time with you, then I'll go. And they're like, yeah, right, sure, whatever. And so, <laughs> so he did, he had breakfast and everything, and he said, okay, had the whole family around him. They all came, and he said, that's it, I'm done. And he said, Bye. He waved and he died. They buried him. I'm wondering what they're th thinking after that. It's like, oh, maybe the guy was right. <laughs> what did he know? <laughs> right? But see, that's how it is and that's how it should be. Death has lost its sting with us. And if it comes too early, we can rebuke it. We don't go before our time. Okay. Virus or no virus. Another example of this, actually, I think that's enough. No, I didn't finish the scripture, did I? So notice again, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, Acts 7, 60. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Isn't this incredible? They are stoning him. And he goes, they don't know what they're doing. They're stupid. Don't charge him with this sin. Wow, this is an incredible man. And when he had said this, Watch this. It didn't say he done died a horrible death. Because <laughs> that's what the Christians think. No, it says he fell asleep. It's like, bye. And we're gone. Come back. We want to stone you and we want to torture you. No, sorry. You don't get that. Amen. So again, <laughs> all this goes to show us that we are in fact more spiritual than natural. And why? Jesus said to Nicodemus from a spiritual standpoint that you must be born again. We looked at this last week, so I'm not going to go back into it. But remember that Jesus said you must be born again. See, Jesus understood that because we are more spiritual in nature than we are physical, then that's the part that needs to be redeemed because that's the part that's alive to God because that's the part that can overcome the world. Amen. Amen. So let's continue. In other words, as much as we are born naturally, there is another birth that is, far greater, that is of far greater significance, and that is our spiritual birth, because that's the part that is going to live on, and depending on the decisions we made, it will either be in heaven or it will be in hell. That's why I said again that man is more spiritual than natural. In fact, we know from what Jesus says in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46, that not only will we live on after physical death, but we will have to answer for what we did in this life as well. Again, things that we looked at last week. Remember again when Jesus was separating the sheep from the goats? Remember all that? And he, you know, he said, you, you visited me, and you, you came, you looked after me, you fed me. Remember all those things? And they said, we don't know when we did that. And he said, in as much as you've done it to the least one of these, you've done it to me. Remember all that? Amen. And, to, and he said the same opposite for those that didn't do all of that. So again, I want you to notice, this is after they died. I want to make this statement. While the devil tries to convince man that he is more natural than he is spirit, 
The fact of the matter is, and the truth is, the exact opposite is true. And why people must not just live their lives like there is nothing else to their life than this life. I said this before, but I think it's important to repeat that. Even to the Jews who knew about the afterlife and thought that they could live any way that they wanted and still get to heaven simply because they were the physical descendants of Abraham, Jesus said to them, this is in Luke chapter 13, verse 20, uh, 28, Luke 13, 28, where he said there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you, these are religious Jews, okay, see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You know, the Gentiles wouldn't know who they were. Okay, <laughs> so obviously he's talking to Jews. All right? And, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. Do you notice all that? Even they were warned. You know that there is more. You be careful how you live here. Just because knowing there's more doesn't mean that you automatically get to the right place. You need to do the right thing. And these people kept boasting, oh, we are the you know, children of Abraham. That's why you know, Jesus said, uh, I think the Apostle Paul said, not all Israel is Israel. In other words, just because you're born naturally to a certain line doesn't mean you're going to get there. God has no grandchildren. Every single one of us has to make a decision to serve the Lord. Amen? Every single one of us. It says that we are sons and daughters of God, not grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren of God. Okay. So, we get a little bit more insight into... I only got a few minutes left and I wasn't meant to go too long. Uh, I, I want to just go to this scripture and we'll, we'll quit today. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Luke chapter 16, I want to begin in verse 19. Jesus is speaking here. He says, there was a certain rich man. I want you to notice the word certain. Okay? He's not just telling a story. He's saying there was a certain rich man. Remember, Jesus knows all of history. He pre-existed before he ever got here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh in that little stable, and then dwelt among us for about 33 years. <laughs> All right? But in the beginning, the Word was. Okay? All right. So, he knows all of history. He knows everything that has happened. And when he says there was a certain rich man, he is telling us a story from what he has known from the past. Okay? So he says, so listen carefully, this is a real story. Uh, names were not mentioned to keep uh, you know, individuals uh, safe and whatever. Okay, all right. Can you imagine if we knew who this person was? We'd hate on everybody after that, okay, that has their names. So God never do that. All right, so he says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Verse 20, 16, Luke 16, 20. But there was a certain beggar, again, a certain beggar, okay, Name Lazarus. Now we got a name. All right. Uh, full of sores who was laid at his gate. So we have somebody that has more than enough. All right. This isn't a rich man that's taking food out of his mouth to give to this poor man. This is a rich man who had more than enough. Dogs are getting his food. It's falling everywhere. They're probably throwing food away because they can't get to it. You know, I know, I know situations like this. 
Wait, you, have you gone through your cupboard and the used-by date came and went about a year ago? And you go, what is still doing? You know, put in the bin. You know, okay. <laughs> now, imagine somebody that's doing that almost every day. We might do it once every, you know, once a year or something. But can you imagine somebody that just daily is just throwing stuff out and there's somebody at the gate that could do with that? Do you understand? Okay, all right. Because I don't want you all to think, no, I have two slices of bread. Should I eat one and give one to the poor? I'm not telling you to do that. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. All right, okay, all right. So if you feel to do it, do it, but I'm just, I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Verse 21, desiring to be fed with crumbs which, which fell, uh, with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sore. So this guy was just saying, what, what, anything that you, you know, fall off your table, which you won't pick up and eat, we know you won't, <laughs> okay? Can we have at least that? Okay, all right. Verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to, the, to Abraham's bosom. Now watch the difference. The beggar died and was carried by angels. The rich man died, he was buried. There was no carrying. Okay, I want you to see something here. Even at death, if you are one of God's, you are looked after. Your spirit isn't going to wander around trying to figure out how to get to heaven. Angels will come and they'll take you home. Hallelujah. And they'll make sure nobody touches you either. Amen. And, verse 23 being in torment. Wait a second. They told me there was nothing after death. This is all religious hoo-ha. You know, to try and get your money or whatever. You better give or else you're going to. <laughs> all that stuff. And then suddenly he gets up. Remember, this is a certain rich man and a certain beggar. We know the beggar's name as well. All right. Can you imagine the shock and the horror to wake up in a place like that. When you think that's it. You know, when you're dead, you take a dirt nap. You, you know, as they say, you become worm feast. That's it, man. There's nothing after that. And then suddenly you left your body and you wake up. And watch now. Listen. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his, what? Eyes. Oh, so after you die... Whatever thing that you are has eyes. Oh, yes, brother. I know. It's like Casper with the little things cut out, you know, in the sheet and everything. No, not quite. Not quite. Let's keep going. And saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, oh, wait a second. He's talking. So he's got eyes and obviously he's got a, a mouth. Watch this. Okay. Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger. Oh, now Lazarus got a finger. <laughs> now, <laughs> I'm making a point. Lazarus' body is dead. Remember they both died? You all remember that part I read? Okay. They both died. The bodies are up there. Whatever they are living in right now has eyes, a mouth, and hands. He says that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am, I am tormented in these flames. So flames. I am. This is who the real person is. 
He didn't say my body is. He said, I am. Body is still up there. He has got a whole nother body in hell. Now, this is the soul part of you. Remember I told you that your spirit heads off in another direction. That's why it was so important that I put the word whole in front of every single designation in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. I said that for a reason because I want you to notice that you are not half of this and half of that. You are a whole this and a whole that and a whole another thing. Just like God is uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three whole beings. So are you made in the image of God, spirit, soul, and body. Interesting how much we have in common with God. Because we were made in His image and His likeness. Amen? Alright. So just like He's a trying being, so are we. Alright. So I want you to notice here. <clears throat> verse 25. But Abraham said, did I get to the end of that? Yes, for I'm talking in this flame. Okay, verse, verse 25. But Abraham said, son, remember. Oh, now we have a memory as well. So we, hi- we have eyes. We have obviously ears because, okay, we can hear. We have a mouth. We are tormented, which means we have enough to sense that something is wrong with where we are. Amen? I I need you to get this. This is a whole being that is being talked about here. And Abraham says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Verse 26, And beside all uh, uh, all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. This is when people didn't go straight to heaven. They went to a place called Abraham's bosom above heaven, because Jesus hadn't died yet. Notice Jesus is telling the story. <laughs> okay? So until he died. That's the reason why when he died, he went into hell. He paid the price. And then he grabbed everybody there. That's what he talks about. Grabbed everybody there and took them up with him. Yeah. Y'all get that? Okay? So they were down there waiting for him to die. Pay the price so that they could all be redeemed and taken back to heaven. Or taken to heaven. They'd never been. Okay. Anyway. Again, too much stuff to go into, but I just, that's a quick, the short version. All right? So again, he says here, um, and that's what he talks about when he says that there is a gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Verse 27, then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send, to, uh, send him to my brother's house. Verse 28, for I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Like they're going to listen to him. Isn't that the beggar that was at our brother's house? This must be some bad cheese. I want you to notice something. There are no atheists in hell. They all believe. And if they had the opportunity, they would go evangelize. <laughs> Verse 29, Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. <clears throat> but he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, and can I add this? Who have the Holy Spirit confirming the word to them. All right? Neither will they be persuaded, though one raised from the dead. I have so run out of time. All right. 
So what we understand is that regardless of what we might think or want to think or believe, eternity exists. And the sooner we embrace this fact and live accordingly, the better off we'll be. When we come back next time, I want to talk about being spiritually strong, how to grow strong in the spirit, okay, grow and develop, and uh, also what will come as a result of growing and developing in the spirit, how you discern things in the spirit and how you pick up things in the spirit, how so much of our life revolves around our spiritual abilities, and we don't even realize it. We think it's intuition, we think it's this and that, but it is our spirit getting stronger and picking up on things around us. So that's all next time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. and We thank you, Father, that as we acknowledge the spirit, as we begin to understand that we are more spirit than natural, then we will begin to tap into that. And that we'll begin to live the kind of lives that you designed and destined, destined for us to live. And I thank you, Father, that as we do, I thank you, Lord, that not only will we get stronger, not only will we be a blessing to all those around us, but we will become a nightmare to the devil as well, and we will begin to stop all, the, all of his work in this earth. Hallelujah. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.